Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Not exactly a slow week in the Magnolia State or the SEC footprint in the college football world, and that doesn't have anything to do with games that are happening this weekend. And oh, oh, by the way, what a slate of games we've got coming up this weekend. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can visit them online at Pearl River Resort. You want to be a part of the conversation? Join us, won't you? Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Time to unlimit your data. $45 unlimited, only from prepaid by Ceasefire. Get unlimited on Ceasefire's nationwide 5G network for just $45 with auto pay. No credit checks, no hidden fees. Learn more at ceasefire.com slash prepaid. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Great to be with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Hello, boys. What's up? So we're not going to talk about the Brooklyn Nets and their disaster today, but if you feel like it, look that up. So you've got Kyrie and anti-Semitism and stuff going on, and then they hired the Celtics coach that's currently suspended because he was having an inter-office relationship. They are a disaster. So if you want some non-college football disasters, go read about that. But I was thinking about something earlier. When it comes to the Auburn search and all this stuff. Maybe it's not possible. Steve Nash was fired, by the way. Yeah, Steve Nash was fired. Yeah, which I'm sure he's pumped to to get out of that situation. But when it comes to this search, and I I read multiple websites and stuff last night, listened to a couple podcasts this morning, apparently the smoke is real. For Lane Kiffin, the smoke is real for Matt Rule, the smoke is real for Coach Prime, the smoke is real for Hugh Freeze. Either everybody on the planes is just getting stoned out of their minds right now, or this coaching search (laughs) is a little bit uh, off the rails, as they tend to get. But John Cohen's a factor in this that I think nobody has mentioned yet. It may not be possible at Auburn, but one thing that he deserves credit for, his coaching searches... Not leaky. Not pretty, leaky. Pretty, pretty buttoned up. You're right. Not leaky at up. all. And so I think that in the coming days and weeks, some things might get out because, again, Auburn's different. 
But I have a feeling people are that, that cover this are going to grow frustrated with the lack of information because he prides himself on none of it getting out. Did anybody know that Joe Moorhead was on the radar until it was basically done? No. I mean, every coaching hire that, that they've had that I remember anyway, I didn't hear the names until it was like, that's done. He's the next head coach. I wonder if it's going to go that same way here. There were a lot of people that were throwing Chris Jan's name out for the Mississippi State job, and and that one moved fairly quickly. But you no, didn't get a lot of, a, of leak leading up to it. I felt like I feel like Jan's was just because there was that group of him and oh, what's the guy at LSU? Is it McMahon? McMahon, Matt McMahon. And yeah. then Todd Golden, who's now at Florida, everybody just kind of knew those were the three big candidates to take those SEC jobs. And it was just a question of who was going to go where. So I don't feel like people were like leaking it was going to be Jans as much as it was going to be one of those three. But I, you know, the, the, I said the guy this yesterday. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the guy who has set the standard for coaching searches with no leaks is is Greg Byrne mm-hmm. at Alabama. Yeah, doesn't happen. I mean, he, you know, he he got the nickname the Ninja. You know, moves quietly in the darkness and has been when he's got to go hire a coach, he goes and meets with the media when the coaching search is starting, and he says, "If you hear a name that didn't come from me, then that person is basically disqualified from themselves. There will be no leaks. the next The next time you hear from me, it will be to announce a head coach. That's how I did it with Nate Oates." It's kind of how he's operated with baseball when they've made a change in baseball along the way. It that it's you know that's how he operates. I'm just going to let you guys know that if it happens, I'll need to take a personal day because I'm going to travel to Auburn. If John Cohen has to introduce Hugh Freeze, <laughs> I'm going to be there because I want to sit there and watch John Cohen try to sell me on integrity and doing things the right way. And then say our new head coach, Hugh Freeze. I am going to be there. And shake his hand and pat him on the back, too, on his way up to the podium. John, great hire, buddy. I can't wait to see how it turns out. So so there are lots of lists out there, right? I mean, there are already hot boards for the Auburn job. Um, Borky, you said it's going off the rails already. I'm talking about the the coverage, not the search. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of the search itself, I don't even know that it's really started yet. John Cohen's been the athletics director. Well, he's been officially announced as the athletics director for like 22 hours. And he's known that was going to be his job for probably 48 hours. Brian Harson has been terminated for like 30 hours now. Auburn's not exactly zeroing in yet. Lots of hot boards you can find. I tend to put a little more credence in somebody like Bruce Feldman nationally who's putting out. He's got five names. Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss. Hugh Freeze, Liberty. Deion Sanders, Jackson State. Matt Rule, Carolina. Six names, sorry. Mark Stoops, Kentucky. Dan Lanning, Oregon. Ooh. Pretty good list. That one's interesting. Stoops is also interesting, too. I don't think he'd leave. I, I, I don't know why you would when you've got something established, but you never know. Yeah. 
That um, that Stoops to Auburn would remind me of Brian Kelly to LSU. Because everybody's out there talking about Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin, Coach Prime, Lane Kiffin, Coach Prime. Do they risk Hugh Freeze? And then three and a half weeks from now, Mark Stoops is the next head coach at, at Auburn. All right, so let, I want to go back to your That's for not a second. sexy enough for me. I, I don't want that. I so, need, so I hey, Dad. I need more, more juice. Hey, Dad loves the idea of John Cohen having to inter, introduce Hugh Freeze. <laughs> I think, as you sit there and giggle, it makes, it makes me giggle. And, and could a giggle that could very easily turn into a belly laugh if it actually happened. I may not be able to do the show that day. I may literally just be inconsolable. I think you, though, hey, Dad, and just lots of other people are looking at that through the eyes of fan perspective as opposed to through the eyes of John Cohen, Hugh Freeze. Oh, now, I have no doubt that Freeze could go to Auburn and win a lot of games. No question that it would be a good hire from a coaching perspective. No no question whatsoever. But you're right. The the egg bowl sort of taints my, my view of this. Yeah. And just having conversations I've had in the past with John Cohen take my take my view of this. And if it happens, it's gonna be funny. It may, it may only be funny to me, but it's gonna be funny. Oh, I think it'll be funny to a lot of people, but dismissing the idea of Hugh Freeze coaching at Auburn because John Cohen is the athletics director and he used to be the athletics director at Mississippi State, I think is folly. Because they're adults, right? I mean, whether or not you think they are principled, full of integrity, smartest people ever, all of those things, you can set all those aside because... Hugh Freeze, if he gets the opportunity to be a head football coach at Auburn or anywhere else, he's going to have one goal, and that's to win and to win big. John Cohen, now as the athletics director at Auburn, is going to have one goal in that job, and that is for his football program to win and win big. And if he's got to put aside whatever he thinks about Hugh Freeze because when he strips all that away and he looks at Hugh Freeze and he believes he's going to win and win big... They'll set all that aside. Maybe they privately address it one time. Look, we were both in different places. We were coming at it from different perspectives. Let's just move on from that. And then they do, right? Yeah. I, I would. I had somebody ask me about this earlier, and, and I agree with the sentiment. It's If you're Auburn, it seems like they've got some options, right? Aside from him. So why would you? I know good, objectively fantastic football coach. Undeniable with you, Freeze. Objectively fantastic coach and would fit the stuff that they want to happen at Auburn. He mm-hmm. he would do all the family stuff. He would. But when you've got other options, are you really going to go into back into that well where you've seen that person be unable to handle the pressures of a SEC job that isn't Auburn? One that people would call a lesser job. Couldn't handle the pressure at Ole Miss. You convinced he's going to be able to handle the pressure at Auburn? I think he handled the pressure no. okay. I don't think he handled the success. Oh, however you want to say it. Well, they expect success no, at think, Auburn. Yeah, no, I'm, I don't I'm think saying, it'll pan out as great as he wants it to. I, I, and, and when I say success, I'm talking about the upward trajectory of a career that was in rocket ship mode. You know, when he's... 
four years removed from making sixty grand a year as the head coach at was it Lambeth? Lambeth. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they play football anymore either. They don't. Sports Talk Mississippi. Good to be with you on this Tuesday. We'll be right back. Let's go to the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Coming up a little later in the show this afternoon, we will go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Uh, Nubias Wilborn, who covers the Auburn Tigers, will join us to begin the 4 o'clock hour. Ryan Brown from the next round will join us uh, to start the 5 o'clock hour. Looking forward to those conversations. Nubias Wilborn's a character, too. <clears throat> We've had some fun, yeah, fun. conversations there. He's a great guy. Great guy. I, I told Ryan we were going to break down the uh, the Nets news and uh, talk about Zion getting healthy and maybe some World Cup takes. We're 20 days away from USA's first game, mm-hmm. so we'll break all that down with Ryan. Okay. <laughs> we will uh, We will do that. Yeah, there, there's something interesting. before we They, they did Halloween costumes yesterday, Borky, by the way. So they broke the news that Auburn was hiring with, um, with, with Ryan in a Maverick costume. Jim Dunaway in a uh, like a Ken Barbie costume, <laughs> and uh, Lance was I don't even know what Lance was wearing. Probably I'm just probably saying. Shirt off. Just saying. Next year, I'll do a Halloween costume. Okay. Just buck up. Let's do it. Um, no. Did you? So betting odds and coaching searches are, are something that you should basically ignore. It's either a money grab or a PR grab, one of the two. But buddy, Jeff Grimes has. Like, gone from plus 3,000 or whatever to even odds today. The offensive is there coordinator a at single, Baylor. Yeah, is there a single Auburn fan, if Jeff Grimes was hired to be their next head coach, would be like, yes, we are on our way. Not, not, to, not to say that it wouldn't end up going well, but that's not a winning the press conference hire. Nope. Nah. And Matt Rule's fascinating to me, too. Because, and who knows, right? Who knows who they're going to zero in on first? As we talked about yesterday, there are people that think you just start one candidate at a time. Like, they're going to go on on Lane Kiffin and wait for him to say yes or no, and if he says no, they go to the next guy. No, they're going to talk to like seven, eight people or something like that. If you're doing it right, you talk to multiple candidates. But let's say Matt Rule's receptive. Because it sounds like he wants to get right back into coaching. And yes, he's got a $40 million buyout from from the Panthers, but it's got a mitigation clause. So if he's coaching, his salary gets applied to the buyout, as it should. So that would stop me from coaching, maybe forever, $40 million. But those guys aren't wired like that. Especially if you can get Auburn to give you 60 guaranteed, well, you're $20 million richer, right? But if, if Matt Rule is a guy that you want, don't you want to move very fast so he can build a recruiting class and, and, and do all of that right away because the early signing day is a, a month and 10 days away? Yeah, it's fast. It, it's, it's fast. The, the calendar has changed some. So that that's somebody I'm curious about. If he uh, and reportedly has expressed interest or whatever, 
whatever that means. But if that's a guy they identify, I want to get that done as fast as possible because he doesn't have a team to coach. He can come right in, buy his house, do the family stuff, shake some hands, and then hit the recruiting trail for weeks without having to do anything else. And you, you could, could hire allow, him tomorrow. Yeah, theoretically you could. And and you could still allow Cadillac Williams to be the coach through the remainder of the season and say, look, I mean, yeah, Matt Rule, yeah. you want to go in and you want to meet these guys and you may want to watch some practices, but we're, we're going to have you stand clear, right? We're, we're going to let Cadillac do his thing. You know, he, he's one of us. He's a former All-American. He's beloved by this team. This team's gone through enough turmoil. We're not going to rock the boat there. We want your focus to be on recruiting strategy and um, transfer portal and meeting people and helping people understand the need for NIL and getting up to speed on NIL yourself because it's changed since you were coaching college. That that That's where your focus needs to be for the next month. Yeah, he needs, he needs to come in and, and you, know, you see the roster and you, feel like you, you have to identify who do we not want to go to the portal? Who would we like to keep here at Auburn? Having a coach that quickly would be, go a long way, I think, in doing that. And then, like you said, you got a guy who could spend his day from sun up to sundown just recruiting and not worrying about anything else. Yeah. Um, what about Deion Sanders? I, I have I have talked to a couple of people that say that is real. That Auburn is Auburn is going to explore that. Bruce Feldman writes, the biggest wild card, uh, wild card in this search is also a head coach in the Deep South, but he's running an FCS program, Jackson State's Deion Sanders. The 55-year-old is 19-2 and two the past two seasons and was honored with the Eddie Robinson Award as the season's top FCS coach a year ago. Upgraded that roster dramatically and landed big-name recruits who probably never would have thought of going to Jackson State. Travis Hunter obviously leading the way as the number one recruit in the country. No one has a presence like he does. Co-star with Nick Saban and insurance company commercials. The only guy that came out looking good in the NIL Jimbo Nick dust-up a year ago. And the expectation is that Auburn's going to talk to him. There is, okay, okay, so, so the opposite of Jeff Grimes where I said, you absolutely are not winning a press conference. You hired Deion Sanders at Auburn, and you were the largest victor in the history of the free world in the press conference. That has to happen after that, but in terms of right away, you didn't just win the press conference, you delivered the most dominating performance in the history of the world of press conferences yeah. if Deion Sanders is who you hire. And I still think people are ignoring the record, too. I can't tell you the number of people that I've seen say, oh, well, he's a bad coach, he wouldn't be ready for this level. It's, you, you, you keep saying that while ignoring the record. Look at his record. 19-2. and two. Uh, An incompetent coach... Having Travis Hunter or not as a freshman does not go 19 and 2. It doesn't happen. He recruited Travis Hunter, too. It didn't, also just, that. didn't just show up. And yeah. call me crazy. I think this is a very soft take, if we're being honest. Of all the candidates they have, he would recruit the best immediately. 
Yes. <sighs> yes. I mean, he and Lane Especially, Kiffin are, are the two. But I, I think he, the and, star and, and, power and, and, that he would get is is different than any other coach. I think that even as great as Kiffin was in the portal this past year, Dion would be a lot better in the portal at a place like Auburn. He would get a lot of the top oh, guys that are in the portal. Yeah. Yeah, people underestimate him. I don't understand how you can do it. Every player that hits the portal would immediately field their phone call from Auburn. Every single one, if they got one, would take the call and be interested because of him. And if you dismiss that, I think you're ignoring the obvious, honestly. Over the course of the last two days, I have heard or read 10, 11, 12, 13, and 15 million as the number of uh, the, the amount of money that is sitting on the sidelines for NIL purposes for Auburn. Immediately. That's significant. Now, you can't build an 85-man roster through the transfer portal. That doesn't work. But Auburn has holes everywhere on its roster except running back. And I'm assuming that Tank Bigsby is done after this year, and so there's a hole at running back also. You obviously got Jarquez Hunter. And he's one of those hey, that you would say, when you evaluate your current roster, who have you got to keep from entering the transfer portal? He qualifies there. But if you say, hey, Dion, you got to hit the ground running. You've got to rebuild a roster. You've got to build a culture. And, oh, by the way, here's $12 million on the side to aid in that process. I think the results would be impressive. And Tim and Ridgeland's got a great point. Auburn's extremely close to Atlanta, right? So is Kirby Smart in Georgia. But what do you think the reception would be for parents in the Atlanta area when primetime walks into their living room? Every one of the dads had a Deion Sanders jersey, either a Braves jersey or a Falcons jersey. One of the two. See, see, I don't understand this message. Cody and Tupelo makes an extremely definitive statement. He says Auburn eliminated Hugh Freeze, Lane Kiffin, Dan Mullen, and Deion Sanders when they hired Cohen. He will not hire those guys, not his type of guys. One, Cody, and and for, forgive me for being presumptive, I don't think you know John Cohen well enough to definitively make that statement. And two, I just think you're wrong. I think you are underestimating the ability to be an adult and recognize that that may not be my favorite person in the world. They don't have to be. We've got to have a working relationship, and they need to win. It seems unlikely to me that John Cohen would hire Dan Mullen. Those other three names, I think you are way off base. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. What happened? What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi.
Tobias Wilborn of AL.com will join us to start the 4 o'clock hour. An excerpt from an article that he wrote inside the end of Brian Harson's Auburn tenure. Here's a, uh, a sample. During a disagreement, Derek Mason told Brian Harson, I've been a head coach in this league longer than you have. Harson replied, oh, you mean at Vanderbilt? <laughs> Burn! <That's> harsh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Harsh. Team Harson on that one. Team Harson agreed. Um, yeah, you're gonna do. You're gonna pull that. Well, then why are you here, Coach? Yeah. Brian Harson's statement came out earlier today. I'm incredibly disappointed that I won't get to lead the Auburn football program and these players into the future. I poured my heart and soul into this program and team. We stood together in the face of considerable challenges and outside noise. Through my entire time at Auburn, we did things the right way, which is not always the easy way. I'm very proud of the resolve shown by everyone in our facility and incredibly grateful for those at Auburn who stood by me and my family. I'm certain that this group of players will do great things. I will miss you guys tremendously, but will always be there for you and do anything I can to help moving forward. Thank you for believing in me. Like any coach with the benefit of hindsight, there are things that could have been done differently. I don't pretend to be perfect, but I am certain I will be better moving forward because of this experience. I truly believe Auburn has the potential to be a championship program once again. The resources, financial support, and fan base are in place. There are good people throughout this program and university with complete alignment. The possibilities are endless. I heard for the coaches, staff members, and families who are left in limbo, this team and staff came here fully committed to our vision of what we could accomplish in time. That time has been cut short. They will all persevere because of their tremendous character and ability, and I will do everything I can to help them with the transition as is life. My family and I will now turn the page and chart our next course. Always grateful for the positive relationships formed and memories made on the plains. Thank you for allowing us to be part of the Auburn family. That's a good statement. Yeah. They never there gave are... him a chance. No, they didn't. Um, I, I thought there were a couple of lines in there that really stood out. Uh, stood together in the face of considerable challenges and outside noise. Uh, resolve shown by everyone in our facility. Football specific. Uh, the uh, uh, with complete alignment, the possibilities are endless. L- little shots there. It does remind me of the greatest exit press conference ever given by a head coach. This obviously was not a press conference from Brian Harson, just a statement. Remember when Tommy West met left Memphis? You guys remember yes. that press conference? He didn't exactly burn the place down. He just told a lot of truth on the way out the door. He basically said, here at Memphis, they need to either commit to football or just shut it down. Because if they're not going to support it, what's the point? If they don't give whoever the next guy is support that they didn't give me, then they're going to be right back here doing this again in three or four years. Give the next guy a chance. Tommy West went out in a bit of a blaze of glory at Memphis and they did, right? They went from, from Tommy West to Justin Fuente to Mike Norvell and now Ryan Silverfield. Memphis has fallen off a little bit last year and this year from where they were with those two previous head coaches. You want to be a part of the conversation? Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Um, College football playoff poll is coming out tonight. Michael Borky has assigned us a task for the college football fix coming up later this afternoon. He said, do the committee's job for them, rank 1 through 10. 
you may not agree with my one through eight, but I can justify every decision I made one through eight. Nine, 10, 11, I got no clue. Two Pac-12 teams and an SEC team for 9, 10, 11. Sure. And, and, and I don't know what the order needs to be, should be, is going to be. I do think, first of all, tonight doesn't really matter, but it kind of matters. It doesn't really matter because you're at the top of the college football playoff poll. I don't know if I even read the question on the ceasefire text line. I was setting that up to read the question. Somebody says, do you guys think the Vols will be number one after tonight? We will give you what we think is going to be the top ten coming up for the college football fix a little bit later in the show this afternoon. Ah, oh, heck, Borky, should we do it now? We're going to spend a couple of segments with Ryan Brown, aren't we? Yeah, we can do it now. All right, let's do this. That's a great question. Well, what the committee's going to do versus what we are what we would do, though. Two different answers. Yeah, I don't know what the committee's going to do. I don't think we've seen the makeup of this committee yet, what right. they value and how they're going to rationalize whatever choices they make. Here is my one through ten. Actually, it's my one through eight. So, to the question on the ceasefire text line, I have Tennessee number one. Tennessee has the best win in college football this season, the win over Alabama. They've got other impressive victories. But guess what? It doesn't really matter because of what they have coming this weekend. And so my, Borky, this is how we're supposed to do it, right? It's supposed to be based on what has happened so far this season. Yep. So on November 1st, Tennessee is my number one. Georgia is my number two. That win over Oregon has really held up for Georgia. Yeah, it has. And I think Georgia has rounded into form in the last three weeks. Here's going to be the first major disagreement you have with me. Number three is TCU. Now, I don't think the committee is going to put TCU number three. But if you are judging them based on what they have done in comparison with the other teams that are in contention for that number three spot, their resume is better. And you cannot convince me otherwise. They have a win against Kansas State. They have a win against Oklahoma State. They got a win against a very mediocre SMU team. Back when SMU was healthy at the beginning of the year, Tanner Mordecai was still playing and playing at a, at a high level before he got hurt. And they got a road win at West Virginia. TCU's resume is good. It's really good. And oh, by the way, they got a win at Kansas when Kansas was undefeated. Now, Kansas has struggled since then. That TCU game kind of put them into a little bit of a tailspin with the quarterback injury. TCU deserves to be number three. Don't think they will be, but that's where they deserve to be. Their resume is better than number four or number five. It won't be at the end of the year for one of these two teams, but right now it is. I got Ohio State four, Michigan five. The Big Ten's not very good. Both of those teams have a win against Penn State. Penn State was competitive for a while against both of them. They've both got wins over Rutgers, you know, whatever. Both got wins over Iowa, 
Ohio State was yeah. more impressive against Iowa than Michigan was against Iowa. One, though, was in Columbus. One was in Ann Arbor. I'm sorry, the other one was in Iowa City. Bears repeating that Quinshawn Judkins, by himself, has scored more touchdowns than Iowa's entire football team. Yes, that is correct. 14 of them. So is Jalen Hyatt at Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, so Ohio State 4, Michigan 5, Clemson 6, Alabama 7. Again, what have you done to this point of the season? Clemson doesn't have a loss. I think Alabama's a better team than Clemson, but Clemson has not lost, and Alabama did lose a football game. Period. What's Alabama's best win? Mississippi State. Yeah, it is. They don't have a ranked win. Clemson does, by the way, Syracuse. Yeah. Number eight is Oregon. And Wake Forest. They got two. Yeah, you're right. I got Oregon number eight. Obviously, they got drubbed in week one by... By Georgia. And I think if they played again, they would get beat handily. I don't think it would be as bad as it was the first time, but I think they would get beat handily once again. But aside from that, Oregon's been really good. They played pretty good defense. Their offense has been on fire. Bo Nix has played at a high level. They're coming off a 15-point win against a UCLA team two weeks ago that's pretty darn good. And then when I tell you I've got like 9, 10, and 11 like just in a, in a box – and feel free to pull them out and stick them in whatever order you want to. Alphabetically, Ole Miss, UCLA, USC. All three of them have got holes. USC doesn't play a lick of defense. The one decent defensive team they played, they lost to in Utah. Everything else they've won, they are exceptional at quarterback. They have an exceptional head coach. And the rest, meh. Nah. And I don't think Caleb Williams is carrying them to a top four spot in the playoffs. UCLA's been pretty impressive. Best team they played those Oregon and they got beat by two touchdowns. Ole Miss's schedule's a little light. They've only got one loss, though. Best team they played, they got beat by three touchdowns in LSU or in Baton Rouge. And after that, I got no idea. We'll get Hayden and Borky's thoughts on this when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, how would they have the top ten? We'll be right back. What I'm hearing, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. So I gave you my top ten. If I were on the committee and I were putting my little ballot together, that's the order that I would have them. Tennessee 1, Georgia 2, then TCU, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Alabama, Oregon, and some combination of Ole Miss, UCLA, and USC. Well, that's you fellas. I'll do a top eight. Um, my top four... Tennessee won. They deserve to be number one. They've been, they've been the best team in college football this year. 
Uh, I'm going to go Georgia 2. I'm going to go Ohio State 3. I'm going to go Michigan 4. I love the eye test. I think Michigan would beat TCU if they played each other. That's how I'm looking at this. So I'm going to have Michigan number 4. I'll have TCU 5, Clemson 6, Bama 7, and Oregon 8. Okay. So not a lot of difference for me in the that in the AP poll. You think I'm overvaluing TCU a little bit? Oh, just a touch. I mean, I'm not gonna if they if they're three, I'm not gonna get up here and stand on a on a box and tell you that you're an idiot. I'm just I, I think that if they played each other, Michigan would beat TCU. See, I think when we get down to the final two weeks of the poll, mm-hmm. we start need to be and it's like really hard to differentiate. Then we can start doing the well if these two teams play each other, you know, an offensive efficiency, mm-hmm. defensive efficiency. But when we're only nine games into the year, I'm ranking them based on what I've seen yeah. and the results I've seen, and that's why I've got TCU at three. Hey, again, not going to argue too hard against you there. Did you just stop at eight because you didn't want to rank Ole Miss ninth? Ole Miss would be ninth. Somebody asked on the text line, what would you rank them if they beat Alabama? And I, I would say fourth. Whew. Big jump. I'd jump them up big if they beat big Alabama. Jump. Okay. Because yeah. don't forget, Clemson's in South Bend this weekend. Uh, upset alert. And they're light favorite. But either way, yeah, mine is uh, Tennessee one, and I'm mm-hmm. going to pick against them this weekend. But to this point, the games have to matter, and they have the most impressive resume in college football. Ohio State 2, Georgia 3, TCU 4, Michigan 5, Clemson 6, Alabama 7, I'm not a big fan of the Pac-12, Ole Miss 8, Oregon, USC round out my top 10. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right, here's the only thing that I think all three of us probably will be wrong about. Like when it all shakes out at, you know, 6.30 tonight, 7 o'clock tonight, whenever that show's over, all three of us ranked Alabama 7. Do we really believe that the committee's going to put Alabama 7? I don't believe they will. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the top four. Ooh. Really? It's because they're Alabama. Yeah, I just won't be surprised. But, but I mean, ba- other than oh. because of their name... There's no reason. This, okay, that, that's enough of Nothing. a reason. There's no reason. Okay. But I'm just telling you that people will see Alabama the same way people in the preseason see Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Texas, uh, Texas and they go, oh, got to be top 25 for sure. Wait, di- wait, hold on a second. Do you mean like this list that Michael Borky included, preseason top 25 teams that are currently not ranked? You mean like... How many Notre of them Dame? are Desmond Howard playoff teams? Three? One, two. Who was his third? It was Pittsburgh, Baylor. Texas A&M. Baylor. And Michigan? And Michigan. Yeah. So three right. of his four. Preseason top 25, not currently Pay ranked. That guy. Notre Dame 5, Texas A&M 6, Oklahoma 9, Baylor 10, Michigan State 15, Miami 16, Pittsburgh 17, Wisconsin 18, Arkansas 19, Kentucky 20, Cincinnati 23, Houston 24, and BYU 25. 
The Texas wow. A&M won at six, and credit to us, I guess. I'm sure a lot of people thought this. The question was why. What did they do to earn that other than have a bunch of talented freshmen? And we're seeing the result of that. Mm. Yeah. Nubias Wilborn from AL.com will begin the 4 o'clock hour with us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Also, um, to start the 5 o'clock hour, Ryan Brown from the next round, based in Birmingham but all over the place, will be on to talk Alabama, Auburn, his thoughts on Mississippi State. Hey, Dad, we are 24 hours, 20 eight hours removed from John Cohen resigning as the athletics director. We got the statement that Mark Keenum is immediately beginning a national search for that job. You get a leader in the clubhouse at this point? (laughs) (laughs) Who's the leader in the clubhouse? I think you're an interesting name today. I got George Sherman to get you a maroon blazer and everything. Okay. We'll talk Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Eddie Nunez was a name that I heard pop up today. Interesting. I heard as well. We'll be back. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. All right, let's go. Four o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at Golden Moon Casino. You can be a part of the conversation on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Let's talk with a guy who is one of the single most entertaining guests we have, uh, have ever had. Tobias Wilborn, he joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. If you've not read it, uh, it's worth it. Tobias Wilborn's column about uh, Brian Harson stepping down, the lead to it inside the end of Brian Harson's Auburn tenure. Tobias, thanks for joining us again. What's up, my man? Hey, man. Just trying to make it, brother. It's been a very interesting 48 hours or so, man. You know, I think there are a lot of 48-hour windows covering Auburn that would be interesting, but this is uh, maybe even a little bit unique. The expected happened with uh, with Brian Harson ultimately being let go. I don't know about the timing. Um, and then maybe a little less expected with John Cohen being named as athletics director. Let, let's start there. Obviously, people in Mississippi know all about John Cohen. How did this happen? Jesus. How long do you have, man? Uh <laughs> How did we get here? Well, I guess we'll just start with February. It starts in February. I mean, it starts with the inquiry that went into the program, that very well-known. I also wrote about that back then, um, yeah. article called 10 Days of Tumult. And you can see where all that stuff happened from the vacation. And quite honestly, there's people who just never got over it. They just never moved past it. Uh, they basically saw that anything Harson did was out of desperation. They didn't trust it, and because of that, led to the firing of Alan Green in August. Okay, because Alan Green was tied to him, you couldn't really fire out, couldn't really fire Brian Harson, so you let go of Alan Green, the athletic director, and fire him. All right, this is in August. 
less than 10 days before the start of the season, okay? Right. So then you go through that, you go through the search, and one thing I will say about Dr. Rob, Dr. Chris Robinson, new um, Auburn president, is that he's been very clear, hey, no leaks. If I don't you leak this stuff, we're going to get rid of you. And, hey, good for them because they're going to keep this pretty close under the vest until Saturday morning during the game, by the way. Thanks a lot for that, guys. You know, uh, it would be nice <laughs> just right about the game, but, you know, whatever. Um, and, you know, it starts going around. Sure enough, it is happening. And Chris, um, excuse me, Mr. Cohen is going to be the AD. And, yeah, and then on Monday, even that came with some blockage, right? There were some people who there were some reports that had emerged that, Mississippi State had told Cohen to find other employment. I, I haven't found it to be true. My reporting, I'm not denying what that journalist said, but it started to surface. Um, I have been under the impression that Mississippi State was very satisfied with them, and based upon Leach's comments yesterday, it would seem that uh, nobody really wanted to leave Mississippi State. Is that fair? I mean, you're there. Yeah, I, I don't buy into the – and, and Brian Haydad may have a little bit different perspective on this. He's he's closer to Mississippi State than I am, but I, I don't buy into the oh, he he was told to go find some somewhere else to work. I, I just I, I think that's awfully convenient after the fact. It's probably something that we're going to dive into a little bit deeper later in the show this afternoon. But I, I don't think John Cohen was in a spot where he had to go elsewhere. I I, I don't. Yeah, I, I I don't get. I didn't get that impression, and particularly. Considering that they Auburn paid as much as they paid the last guy, I don't think Auburn believes that either. So, now I get people get the information, how to get it, things happen. You know, maybe things, people say things all the way out the door, who knows. But either way, this is what Auburn's going with, which is also interesting, considering Auburn and Mississippi State play each other. Because, by the way, Auburn does still play football. And they have a football game on Saturday. I want to go back and, and maybe alter one thing. I do think it's possible that once John Cohen let his boss know that he was looking at another job, that maybe at that point he was encouraged, well, I, I hope you get it. I, I don't think that's beyond the realm of possibility. But to think that, you know, for months, I mean, he, he got an extension and a raise within this calendar year, if, if that makes more sense. Uh-oh, we lost him. We lose them? Hey, yeah, oh, hey, Dad, no. while we're going back to that, would, would you agree with that assessment, by the way, that or, or no? Do we I need mean, longer to talk Enough about people that? that I trust, enough people that I trust have reported that, that okay. there was no, there was no push from, push out the door from Mississippi State. Yeah. John Cohen. Okay. Now your, your theory makes sense though. So, Nubias, what I was saying when you were cut off just a second ago, and I'm sorry we lost you, I, I just was going back to what you and I were talking about a second ago. It would not surprise me if when John Cohen let his boss, Mark Keenum, know that he was talking to Auburn, that at that point he was encouraged maybe to find another job or good luck, I hope you get that job. But in terms of prior to that, no, I don't think there was any push for him to leave Mississippi State. Yeah, I, I, get, I just don't see it. But, hey, things happen, who knows, and, Everybody talks to different people, so, you know, I'm not here to denigrate somebody else's journalism, if you will. But, again, either way, this is where Auburn is going, and it seems to be a good move. Um, Seems that people are really into it, uh, including Bush Thompson, who's the Auburn baseball coach, who apparently coached under Cohen when Cohen was baseball coach at Mississippi State. Um, Bruce Pearl seems on board. Uh, 
I would imagine Carnell kind of like Williams is on board too because he just got the head coaching job at least temporarily. So, I mean, look, you know, athletic director hires oftentimes are relative, right? You know, and that's kind of a difficult thing to judge how good athletic director is. I personally think that um, Alan Green did a good job, but we'll see what Cohen does. And so to say how it happened, it basically just what ended up coming down was Albany the athletic director. This is where they went. Um, Dr. Roberts did a thorough search. This is who we landed on, and everything happened. And then on Monday, you know, so Auburn did his film session on Sunday, which is pretty much every team in the country does film on Sunday after Saturday's game. Auburn did film. Carson led the film session. He was in the facility, prepared, finished up the game plan, and I guess got a call to the office, and they told him he was no longer service no longer needed. Hmm. I'd love to get to two things. We've got about six or seven minutes to try and do that. Um, Number one, on John Cohen, what will his level of autonomy be as the AD at Auburn? As Auburn, who knows? I mean, I'm (laughs) serious. I I, I would assume that they're paying the man that much money. I'd assume they let him make the decision, but it's Auburn, so I don't know. Okay. Do you get the impression that, I mean, Obviously, there's going to be oversight, but but he's not a puppet, right? I, I would, if he is, he's a very well paid puppet. I mean, so <laughs> I, I mean, I, I might be a puppet for one point five million. I don't know, man. But I mean, I would assume. Listen, it, it, it is difficult to know because they say all types of things, and what they do and what they say don't often match. Okay, yeah. so they're saying that part of this, and I did hear that there were some candidates who backed out because of concerns of booster involvement. Right. Okay? And that's a real thing. And there's also been coaches who have said they weren't coming because of that. So it's a real thing. The booster involvement is real. They're very involved. Trust me, probably more than they should be. But also, you're giving your money. So to answer your question, it's difficult because they'll say, sure, you have autonomy, but then you might not have as much as you think you do. Or they might strongly suggest you do this or that. And if you buck them, you end up like Alan Green. Yeah. And Alan Green certainly bucked them and uh, is no longer the AD there. Uh, I I will say that John Cohen does not have a personality that lends itself to being a puppet. So we'll we'll, we'll see how that piece of it plays out. That's going to be fascinating to watch. All right, here's the other thing I wanted to get to. we got two and a half minutes left. Who makes most sense? I, I know there are hot boards out there, names out there, and John Cohen's been the AD at Auburn for like 30 hours. So, I mean, I'm not saying reporting, but based on those names that are floating around for the head football coaching job, who makes most sense to you? You know, I'd say Lane Kiffin, and I know Ole Miss fans don't want to hear that, and I'm not trying to say that Auburn should poach him. I know, you know, you guys are doing some really cool things over in Oxford. and Shout out to Oxford. Y'all showed me a real good time when I was there. Um, anyway, that being said, I think Lane makes sense. He knows the conference. He's not scared of Nick. And with Auburn's resources, God knows what he could do considering what he's already done there. And that's, again, not a knock on Ole Miss. It's also just the facts, okay? Yeah. So I think he would make the most sense. Um, I know a lot of people are interested in the prime. I could maybe see that working, but it would be under a unique set of circumstances for that to work. Those would be the two that I would look at if it were me. 
The, uh, we, we were talking earlier. I mean, I know Jeff Grimes' name has been floating around. I said that would not exactly be a win the press conference hire. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, you hire Deion Sanders, it's the greatest press conference in the history of the world in terms of winning the press conference. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, but, again, it depends on what's more important to you, winning press conference and winning games. And maybe Jeff Grimes can win you more games because he has more experience. I don't know that. But, yeah, I mean, Grimes would be like Arkansas hiring Sam Pittman, mm. which right now is working for them. That's right. That's you don't right. have to win the press conference to win on Saturday. Nubias, you are always kind with your time. I know you're incredibly busy right now. Good catching up and look forward to talking to you again soon. Hey, thanks for having me, boys. Nubias Wilborn, AL.com. Read his stuff. It's really good. Uh, really good perspective and good insight. Just check it out. He joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. A lot to get to on the ceasefire text line with you. 601 879 Somebody did remind me, though, hey, we need the numbers from the Polk's Pick 6 from last week. The number of responses was down a little bit, and that's partially my fault. It was a day later. It was Thursday afternoon when I got the poll up this week. Blame it on me. Hey, Dad, it's my fault. As always. Also, you know, no USM game, no MSU game on there. That couldn't have helped. Well, that's true. That's true. You probably had some Mississippi State folks and some Southern Miss folks sat it out because there wasn't a game. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, there were 343 responses, so still a big number, certainly bigger than when we began. Uh, 78% of you picked Ole Miss to win over Texas A&M. 78% of you were correct. 81% of you picked Arkansas to beat Auburn. Turned out to be true. 98% of you took Georgia over Florida. 94% of you took Tennessee over Kentucky. But then... There was a disqualifying event. 82% picked Oklahoma State to beat Kansas State. And 57% of you took Cincinnati to beat UCF. We will tabulate those responses, and tomorrow we'll give you the winner from this past week. For the Polk's Pick 6. And that winner will receive a package of Polk's Meat products delivered to their door in time for the weekend. Got a poll for you. Sausage. For the two of you. Right now today, things change Uh obviously, but right now today, if I gave you Kiffin, Freeze, and Coach Prime, or the field to be Auburn's next head coach. So Matt Rule is obviously in the field. So Kiffin, Freeze, and Coach Prime, or the field, who gets the job? I think I'm voting knowing, field. Knowing what I know of Cohen and the way he does coaching searches, the field. Ooh, 
doesn't work well but when all I, three of us pick the same thing, and so I'm tempted to fade you guys here, but my my initial reaction is the field. That said, I'm putting a lot of faith, and I think you, we, the three of us are, we're putting a lot of faith in the idea that John Cohen's running this coaching search and not Auburn Booster's running this coaching search. If you yeah. tell me that I, for a fact that Auburn Booster's running this coaching search, Kiffin is my pick. So... I think John I think John Cohen's running the search. But I don't think he's doing it without input. I do not believe that John Cohen is a puppet at Auburn. But I do not think he is on an island all by himself where he gets to operate with where his opinion is the only one that counts. If you've been the AD, like uh, let's say let's say this. Let's say Nick Saban retires at the end of this season. Greg Byrne is hiring the next coach at Alabama. Right. But even Greg Byrne would have input from some people that he whose opinion he valued. John Cohen will have input. Will receive input. But he's going to run this thing. You don't hire a brand new... I, I don't know how to be any more clear about this. Hey, Dad, you know John. Borky, you know John a little bit. I know I know John. Been around him a lot. A lot of conversations with him through the years. He's a really smart guy. John Cohen is not agreeing to go be the athletics director at Auburn if the president, during the interview process, says to him, Hey, John, we want you to be RAD. And we're about to hire a football coach, but you're not going to get to do that. He wouldn't do it. I don't think that he would, no. And Ryan later will be able to give us more insight on this. Didn't that almost happen already where the power brokers or whatever had an AD picked out? That AD also had a coach picked out. New president said no. Didn't that already happen? At Auburn? At Auburn. With this AD search, didn't the new president already tell the power players with their selected guy, no? No, Auburn got told no multiple times on their AD search. I I understand that, but I'm talking about... Oh, about the Kevin Steele, Jeff Grimes piece of it, and the president has pushed back on that. Yes, and pushed back on the on a preferred athletic director candidate whose name was out there initially, and they were told no <sighs> by the know. new president. I, I mean, I don't know. I've heard I, enough people and read enough people say something like that that maybe you know where there's smoke, there's fire if you will, that already there's been a sign of boosters aren't getting everything they want kind of situation. Yeah. Um. Either way. Yeah, I, I just I don't know the answer to that, Borky. You're right. Maybe Ryan uh, can give us some insight on that as well. All right, I mean, the, these... These texts are coming in hot and heavy, so let's let's race through them. 
Don't you think Auburn tells everyone what they want to hear? Auburn with the lauder and years past and rain now. The lauder. Oh, Bobby Louder. <laughs> the years past and rain now run Auburn. That is fact. Um, it's true. Those people are extremely influential. And the guy who's got the name on the business school runs that massive construction company. Harbert, I believe. Those guys are incredibly influential. And their opinion matters. What if Cohen said he'll take the job if he can pick the coach? I mean, I don't know. I mean, clearly... Clearly there were discussions in that interview process about autonomy and the ability to run the job the way he wants to or the way he believes is right. Chris and Bogachita says Prime will get the recruits. No doubt. Ben says... No doubt. Sadly, Coach Prime, even with what he has done, can or could do, he will not be hired at Auburn, I think. That's from Ben. Uh, ain't nobody telling Yellowwood he can't dictate things at Auburn. Jason says Cohen will be on the unemployment line fast if he tries to do there what he did at State. And then he says Joe Judge. It's true. Uh, CJ in the Delta says, I have always thought Kiffin wants the Alabama job when Saban retires. I have thought that as well. I don't disagree with that. That's the interesting thing here with with his candidacy. Because generally speaking, I think it would be kind of foolish to say that the Ole Miss job is better than the Auburn job. I think generally speaking, Auburn provides more than Ole Miss provides. But I also don't think the gap is as wide as national people think. There's a reason, like I said on Twitter, there's a reason that Ole Miss is 18-3 and in their last 21 and Auburn just fired another football coach, right? So without knowing where his true priorities lie or what he really wants, because nobody really knows, he doesn't talk to anybody. People pretending like they know what Lane Kiffin wants is also kind of goofy to me because you don't know. He didn't talk to anybody. So the, what he's got away, let's pretend Auburn you know, comes and offers him. Does he want to take on another rebuild? Because that's what Auburn's roster is. The quarterback room is a disaster. And the roster itself is a disaster. He's got to keep guys from hitting the portal. It's another rebuild. Now, they've got this NIL money or whatever. Maybe he could hit the portal, but it's another one. He will be directly compared to Nick Saban and Kirby Smart every single year. He either has to beat them or be prepared to beat them or else. What would happen with Brian Harson? And are you convinced that Auburn's going to let him do basically whatever he wants like Ole Miss does? Mm Mm-hmm. I am. You think Auburn would just let Lane be Lane and and, ha- mm-hmm. and, and nothing? Wow. Okay. So oh, that, yeah. that changes yeah. things. A little I, bit I have I have evolved into that thinking. Hmm. Yeah, I have. I think the if they go get a guy like Lane Kiffin, they're going to let him do his thing. Because they've seen the it idea works. of in twenty twenty seven in twenty twenty seven the idea of of the head coach of Auburn becoming the head coach of Alabama is almost too much to bear. I don't know how I would get through that, to be totally honest with you. Well, then, so I, I'll tell you what, that's a day I would listen to Mac and Cube, Next Round Live, Three Man Front, Fine Bomb. I'd listen to it all. I'd just take the day off. What kind of contract would they have to offer Lane Kiffin to leave Ole Miss and basically have to start another program? Yeah, that's what I was, I was getting to. Eight or nine years and $100 million. 
Guaranteed. Under oath, wholly guaranteed. Fully guaranteed. I think that's what it'll take. And that is a big number. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Ryan Brown will join us to start the 5 o'clock hour. That'll be our college football fix today. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, all of us coming to you, with you, from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, it is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. For months now, you've been her, uh, hearing us, me, talk to you, tell you about Genteel Mississippi-based company that just puts out fantastic menswear. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. You can also find them in men's specialty stores uh, throughout the southeast and certainly across the state of Mississippi, uh, places like the Country Gentleman in Greenville. Uh, Chandelure, uh, I messed that up last time. I think it's Chandelure Outfitters in Ocean Springs. Kincaid's Fine Clothing in Ridgeland, Reed's in Starkville, Randy Price and Company in Hattiesburg, and Abraham's in Indianola. Um, golf shirts, pullovers, vests, sweaters, pants, shorts, all kinds of great stuff. And, of course, the collegiate collection from Genteel Apparel online at genteelapparel.com. So... Before the break, we had that question that was floated on the ceasefire text line. I just kind of gave you a matter-of-fact, understated answer. And, Borky, maybe that's what you were getting to. In the Somebody said, what kind of contract would Auburn have to offer Lane Kiffin for him to go? And I said eight years and $100 million. I said eight to nine. My thought is eight, eight and a hundred. What's that? Twelve million a year, thirteen it's million a year, and some change. Yeah, yeah, a big number. Yeah, does big it have number. to be fully guaranteed? In your opinion, I think ah, uh, so. mostly. Yeah. I mean, I think Brian Kelly's contract was what eighty or ninety percent guaranteed, but then there was some incentive in there that allowed it to get to fully guaranteed. Okay. It's a start over, though. Like I, I, right. I completely get why it would be attractive to Auburn. Clearly, he has had success at Ole Miss. But to me, the reason that Lane Kiffin would be most attractive to Auburn is he has proven the ability to navigate his way in and through the transfer portal maybe better than any coach in America. Lincoln Riley would be the other. 
Lincoln Riley also brought his quarterback with him. Barring a waiver, Lane can't do that. That is correct. Could bring all. Could bring Altmaier. Uh, well, who was worse off, Ole Miss when Kiffin arrived there, or Auburn today? Ole Miss. Mm, Ole Miss had a quarterback, though. They did. Ole Miss having Corral is the is the X factor in that for sure. Yeah, and that's kind of the the, the thing but that he wasn't. He, I want you to finish that thought, Morgan. He wasn't the Matt Corral that he was no, in twenty and twenty one. The talent when was Lane there. Kiffin arrived in twenty nineteen. Following the, the talent was there though. We we knew he had the big arm. We knew he was mobile. You knew you had something there. In late July, the highly intelligent football mind, and I'm not being sarcastic, that's exactly what he is, Cole Kublik was talking to us about the potential of Plumlee in Kiffin's offense. I mean, no, yeah. that, that were just wild times back then. But that that's what, if Auburn comes an offer, that's what he's got to balance, right? Is seemingly they have the ability to offer a longer contract, more money, and they have semi-recently won a championship, although that was a long time ago. 2013 was quite some time ago now. Uh, recruits were seven when Auburn won that championship. A long time ago. 2010. Or 2010. Re- recruits were... I mean, had no idea what football was. Played for one in 13. Played for yeah, one well, in 13. Well, yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, so so Auburn's got advantages, right? They do. But as you mentioned, it, it's, a, it, it's a rebuild. And Ole Miss... In the short term, I think provides him a better opportunity to stay in the top of mind when either the college football job comes open, like in Ohio State or in Alabama or that job, or or the NFL possibly comes open. Because next year, you mentioned he's, he's got the quarterback, got an elite level running back as it turns out. Returning both of his offensive tackles, bunch of bodies on defense. Ole Miss 2023, unfortunately they get Georgia on this schedule, is going to be as hyped as an Ole Miss team has been since I've lived here. And I know in the Hugh Freeze era they had it, but remember there was a cloud. Shoot, Ole Miss is really good, but that's what everybody said. Ooh, this Ole Miss team could be good, but there is always a but. There's not going to be a but for Ole Miss next year. They return a quarterback and the guy that's going to be preseason All-SEC running back next year. And so, well, do you risk... Kiffin goes to Auburn. No, he could bring... Judkins is going with. But not quarterback. So you you could stay top of mind with a roster that would be more prepared to win immediately than that of Auburn. And by the way, Ole Miss is going to give him a seven-figure raise. And also, the four-year contract thing... Is real, but there are workarounds. There are things that they can do with the foundation and stuff to make it, what, more like a six-year? So it's not like they're hard-capped at four. They can manipulate things to make it longer than that. So those are the things he's got away. Does he want to be top of mind, or is Auburn a destination that he's good with being there for a while without the opportunities given to go somewhere else? I don't know. It's just it's what he's got away. But... This version of his Ole Miss team next year is in a far better place to win than the Auburn team he'd take over. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and do you want the Arizona Cardinals to call you next year? Maybe that's not the best example because they hired a college coach, but do you want the seven NFL jobs that are going to come open next year to consider you? If Ryan Day gets one of those jobs, do you want Ohio, the Ohio State to consider you? You want to keep winning right away. Yeah. Just keep wondering if the NFL is going to stop doing that because it keeps not working. They may. But still, I, but the, I don't think the gap is as wide as people nationally think it is. And that, that applies to Mississippi State as well, but they're not, obviously, Mike Leach is not involved in this. But people talk about the gap between Auburn and Ole Miss as it's some wide, insurmountable, Auburn's just so much better, he'd be crazy not to go. Well, then why does Ole Miss win more in recent history? If there is such a ceiling at Ole Miss that coaches can't get past, why are there only two programs in the SEC in the last three years that have won more than Ole Miss? Maybe the ceiling's not as low as people think it is. Maybe you can get good players and win games in this state. Yeah, you know, it's it, you bring up a fascinating point, and, and that is that something I've been thinking about a lot. The things that we have known to be true in college football for a long time are less true than they've ever been. The need to build recruiting class on top of recruiting class on top of recruiting class to have any chance to be successful. The ability to play a young quarterback and still be successful. It's happening now. You can change your roster in a year with a transfer portal class. You don't necessarily have to be a quote-unquote college football blue blood to have an impact. I think some of those things are changing. And there was a time where the idea of moving from one SEC school to another SEC school, people debated online whether or not that was against the bylaws in the league. Yeah, no bylaws to that. It's it's happening. At the coach level, at the administration level, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, Dad, I, I threw this out at you earlier at the, I guess it was the end of the 3 o'clock hour, and we didn't have time to get into it. Let's do it when we come back. Names that you're hearing bandied about as it pertains to Mississippi State's athletics director. Obviously, this is very new. Has anybody talked to, do we have any idea, is is Mark Keenum just doing this on his own? Is he engaging a search firm of some sort to help with the vetting process and to reach out to candidates? Do we know how that's working? I haven't seen any news about a committee or a, 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 or a consultants or anything like that. But that being said, I don't think Mark Keenum is going to go that alone. I'm sure there will be other advisors here at the university level uh, to talk to him. But that said, I don't know about outsiders. See, I would think that he would make that hire almost on his own. He could. I mean, certainly he's got the uh, the ability to do it. So let's talk some names when we uh, when we come back for Mississippi State's open AD job. And one thing that we haven't talked about over the course of the last two days, there's plenty been plenty to get to. Does this have an effect on Mike Leach? The guy that hired him is no longer his boss. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. 
Sports Talk Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. I sent an email to someone in our company, forwarded and it kicked back and said, undeliverable. So I sent it again from a different email address, undeliverable. Just asked someone else, I was like, hey, did an email address change? I said, that person hasn't worked here in almost a year. Oh, really? My bad. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, Richard. Mm. Good to know. <laughs> Good to know. Glad I, uh, Michael Borky was no help to... either. I was like, hey, does this person still work here? Hold on, hold like, on. The bikes are on here. What do you mean? Don't, don't out me for not knowing either. Don't bring, mm. don't bring me down with the ship. Now, now, one of y'all are gonna, y'all need to text me the name and I want to see if I knew that they didn't oh, work. Oh, you know what? I was sending it. I knew that. And, and I knew. I didn't okay. hear you, Borky. Yeah. I don't even know who that is. So, no, never mind. Yeah, all right. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Uh, Give me some names, Haydad. Sure. Uh, we talked about a few of them, obviously. We talked about J- John Curry, although I think that name is, is more of a message board name than a, than a realistic name. Jared Binko's name is very realistic. I, w- I would probably go so far as to say... Not the favorite, but he just feels like the absolute safest pick, right? A guy who's worked here before, knows Mississippi State, so I think his name is going to come up. You mentioned Nunez earlier, who I think he's currently the athletic director at New Mexico. Yeah, not sure. Spent some time at LSU. I don't know a lot about New Mexico. Yeah, uh, that's one. He inherited a name. mess, a mess at New Mexico, and seems yeah. to have kind of worked some magic cleaning it up in a. Pretty short order. Here's a name that, that that you know, Richard, that I don't know that he's you know, involved with Mississippi State, but today John Hartwell resigned from U- Utah State and sent out a tweet basically saying he wanted to get his family back to the South. Mm-hmm. He was a guy that we thought was going to be a favorite to take the Auburn job. So is that a, a, a sign for something? Of course, we talked a minute ago about you know, going from Auburn to Alabama, John Hartwell we used to work at Ole Miss, so that would be an interesting uh, fit there. Um, you got something to say? Got, got, got so, yeah, to yeah. I, I don't know a ton about the behind-the-scenes stuff with John Hartwell and Auburn. I do know that he was, I say I know, I was told by multiple people, that not only was he very much a candidate for that job, but he was expected to get that job. And something changed. Um, now, that would be something, though, to get the guy that everybody thought that Auburn was going to get at Mississippi State. That feels like a win, right? Well, maybe. Yeah. yeah. John's a good dude. So. And, and he's had a lot of success everywhere he's 
He's been. There, there yeah. is, um, there's a mess going on at Utah State right now. Uh, I have not seen mm-hmm. that John is implicated in any of that. The school and the football coach are being sued. Uh, it yeah. feels like a. I, I I don't know enough about what's going on there to feel like I can speak about that. Um. So yeah, I mean. I think John Hartwell would do a great job, given the opportunity. It's an interesting one. So yeah, I, I, know, I don't. I, know it's I don't know what John exactly Cohen. he wants to do either. Yeah, yeah. Um, so especially after yesterday. So no. Um, the guy at Texas. Did you see his comments, by the way? Who's Cohen's or or someone from Cohen's camp? No. Basically just sort of denigrating State on the way out the door yesterday in an article by Ross Dellinger. I did not see that. Had put out a, uh, a number that was not correct. He said something about State only having less than a million in NIL funds. Uh, I, I reached out to uh, some people. That number is wildly inaccurate. We'll just put it that way. Okay. I don't know, I don't know what possessed Cohen or who, someone in his camp to do that, but... I, I have some, a mantra in life that I am trying to live by. That's it. It is okay to make any decision... It is okay to make most decisions with what is best for you and your family in mind. Yeah. And you don't have to apologize to anyone for making a decision that is best for you and for your family. But don't run down where you were on the way out the door to justify the decision you make. You have to make decisions that are best for you and your family, and let that be enough. Period. You leave one church to go to another church, do it because it was the right decision for you. Don't talk bad about where you were. You leave a school to go to another school, same thing. Leave a job to go to another job, just do it because it's the right decision. Some folks could have used this information yesterday, Richard. Where were you? We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Communication system is a go. Go! This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. A Monday warrior, mean, mean strife. Today's time, so you mean, mean pride. A rush jam there on a Tuesday. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, on your Supertalk radio stations. Across the Magnolia State, thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Let's go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Ryan Brown joins us. He is host of the Next Round Live. We have talked for two days, Ryan, uh, Ryan about the fact that uh, there is no lack of things to talk about where we are. Uh, I think you qualify as well. New AD at Auburn. Head football coaching search, I suppose, is now officially underway, though I think unofficially stuff had been probably happening for a while now. I just don't know who was directing all of that stuff prior to yesterday. 
Well, Richard, historically, it's been a collection of boosters, and uh, they did not get their way in the last search. So, you know, they finally got their way with uh, Brian Harson and got their pal to flesh. Uh, the a- athletic director is gone. The head coach is gone. So it's back to square one. And, you know, I would imagine they're going to have an immense amount of influence. I-, I would think they'll allow Steve Cohen to at least get on the job to make it appear as though he is heading things up. But uh, they're-, they're very rarely – decisions of consequence made at Auburn that don't involve uh, a, a large, or not even a large, a certain set of boosters. Wait, did you just break news? Steve Cohen is the new athletics director at Auburn? <laughs> I mean, you want to talk word. about a guy who's got cash to go hire whoever he wants. Steve Cohen's the guy that owns it's the business. about John Cohen's the new AD at, at John Auburn. Cohen, Okay. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about all your mistakes, Richard. What, what have you said wrong? No, I thought I could be funny. I mean, I was like, oh my god, how long would that discussion be? He thought the black crows <laughs> was Pat Green once. He did think the the black crows I'm, were Pat we, Green. That's right. We've discussed this before. The black crows are my favorite band, and I liked Richard until I understood he uh, confused <laughs> the black crows. All right, so John Cohen, not what, Steve what Cohen, you... the Mets owner, John Cohen. What did you think about uh, the remake that uh, the Black Crows did of Wave on Wave? <laughs> I'm not even going to answer. You know what their best You're remake the is? Is uh, yeah, I know uh, the the night they drove old Dixie down. That's their best. That's their best Ooh. cover. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I thought the greatest shade that has happened this year in in college football that didn't get a ton of coverage was when they played uh, Dixieland Delight in Neyland Stadium postgame. <laughs> so um, it's interesting because obviously that song is done by the group Alabama, which is from Fort Payne, Alabama, but it talks about how great a Tennessee Saturday night is. Yeah. It's a fantastic song, and, Al- and Alabama fans, as you've experienced, have alternate lyrics to it. Um, but, <laughs> so uh, yeah, t- Tennessee <laughs> – yeah. It's gotten uh, Alabama students in a little hot water and actually got the song uh, banned from the stadium for a minute. But uh, Tennessee fans have always said, hey, you celebrate to a Tennessee song. You love Tennessee so much. So the minute, and they had to wait a while, but the minute they finally beat Alabama in Neyland Stadium, uh, you knew it was coming. And, and they, they laid into it. They earned the right to do it. That's Hey, that's what makes rivalries great, right? That type of pettiness is what makes it great. Like, Auburn fans hate Rammer Jammer. So for the Ole Miss and State fans watching you, Obviously, Rammer Jammer is the song Alabama plays at the end of any win, whether it's a one-point or 100-point win, uh, where they remind you how bad they beat you and where you can go. And Auburn fans hate it. However, anytime Auburn beats Alabama at Jordan-Hare Stadium or even at Bryant-Denny, they play that song and they do the cheer. So they only hate it to a certain extent. That's right. And, of course, Ole Miss has adopted a version of that, and Mississippi State has adopted a version of that, and, you know, whatever. So so on we go. Um I really was just messing with you. I, I, you know, I thought, hey, you get a you, you get a new AD that's worth twenty six billion dollars. Uh, it shouldn't be just go get whoever he wants. <laughs> That'd be a game changer in NIL, right? If if, if Mark Cuban uh, decided, you know what, I care about college sports all of a sudden. Yeah, or if Tim Cook decided that. You know, that's that's wild because a lot of Auburn fans, I mean, they love Tim Cook. Obviously, he's prominent, and he's made donations to the school, but I don't think he's gotten as active in athletics as, oh, I know for a fact, he hasn't gotten as active in athletics as, say, a Phil Knight has, where he's like, hey, we'll, you know, we'll spend whatever we need to spend to be great, and I'll be the guy that helps us spend that. That's not Tim Cook. Now, 
he's made donations and he's helped, but it's it's not a you know a T Boone Pickens or or a uh, or a Phil Knight type situation with the Apple CEO in Auburn. Yeah, um, let's go back to where we started before we went off the rails just a bit. Uh, and, and I think the autonomy conversation is is a really interesting one. I, I don't know if you know John Cohen if you've interacted with him much at all, but. No. He's a big personality. He's a strong personality. He's he's strong-willed. Uh, he does not strike me as a guy that would do well as a puppet. And that's really fascinating to me, the, the kind of his personality makeup with the idea that there are a handful of Auburn boosters, which traditionally they have been, that, that drive big decisions within the department. So, so what is that balancing act that John Cohen has got to try to pull off in the first 30 days that he's on the job? Well, I mean, it can be tough. If you look at the history of Auburn athletics directors, and I'll miss, you know, I'll miss some here, but, but I'm going to hit the major, the major points. Uh, you had, you know, Pat Dye was the athletics director and head coach. That's back when that happened a lot, right? right? And then he moved on and Auburn, you know, ended up David Housel was the longtime athletics director. And for those that don't know, David Housel, was Auburn's media relations director and really almost like Auburn's athletics PR person. It was very well respected, but he was an inside Auburn lifer and was elevated to athletics director. And then Jay Jacobs had a long run at athletics director. Same situation, came up through the athletics department. So after Jay Jacobs, you know, for the first major long-term hire, it looked like for athletics director, they decided to go outside, you know, the quote-unquote family Went with Alan Green. He's the guy that went rogue with some other boosters and hired Brian Harson. He's out before Harson's out. And, and now, you know, you've gone to Cohen. So, um, you know, this is going to be really realistically the only second time, only the second time this has been tried since the eighties. So it's kind of hard to, you know, to say what this is going to be like. I mean, if he's a big personality, He'll get challenged at times. Every Auburn coach has faced this, and every Auburn athletics director has faced this. The, the, the boosters at Auburn have a lot of power. They give a lot of money. They expect a lot in return. And to be entirely fair, it wasn't that different in Alabama until Nick Saban got there. Yeah. And Nick Saban, Mal Moore knew that Nick Saban was going to demand autonomy, and Nick Saban or Mal Moore was the only guy that realistically could pull that off because of his association with Bear Bryant, thus his association with Paul Bryant Jr., Alabama's you know, one of their biggest boosters. And that's really the only thing that changed in Tuscaloosa was the fact that Nick Saban said, the only way I'm taking the job is if you give me complete autonomy. And Mal Moore was able to sell it up the chain. Did Nick Saban end up with a good relationship with Paul Bryant Jr.? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, it's, you know, he's not as, um, you know, Paul Bryant Jr. I don't, you know, he, he didn't. Once Nick Saban got there, he wasn't as, uh, he still was, you know, a member of board of trustees, but he wasn't as visible as he had been in the past. Uh, Nick Saban had a tremendous relationship with Mal Moore. And, right. uh, Mal Moore was so respected by the Bryant family that having that type of relationship with Moore naturally spilled over. Um, yeah, to my knowledge, there was, there was no issue with that to the extent that, you know, uh, Junior's grandson, Bear Bryant's great grandson, actually came to Alabama to play quarterback, and he ended up transferring to Arizona State. But you know, I think that was an indication that the Saban family and and the extended Bryant family still, you know, had a great relationship at the time. So, a couple of minutes till the break, and and then we'll switch to the football coach side of things, uh, and maybe even get to some actual football at some point as well. Um, how has the, the idea of John Cohen been received as best you've been able to tell from from your callers, texters, listeners, people that you've talked to yeah. uh, in thirty hours. 
So there, there, there's kind of two camps when this broke on Saturday night. Um, there's, there's this, this speculation in this report, and you guys would know way more about this than me, that while John Cohen wasn't facing some sort of imminent dismissal, that maybe people weren't as happy with him. Um, you know, maybe, maybe he felt as though the tide was turning against him, and this was a chance to reset the clock and move on and get more money. Um, and then there are those that point back to the contract extension, which I believe was back in the summer, June or July, where he got a $200,000 raise and a four-year contract extension and said, see, there's Mississippi State saying that's not true at all. So we went and stole a guy that was in good standing. So there's kind of two schools of thought on that, is that are we getting a guy that is a cast-off, we being Auburn fans, getting a guy that was going to be a cast-off from State that was trying to stay one step ahead of the posse, and maybe we struck out on the national search, so we kind of came back local to a guy that was looking to get out, or did we scan the nation and say, hey, you know, this guy is popular at Mississippi State. He's done a great job there. Let's go get him. Um, you know, so it's whichever school of thought you are in. I don't know which one of those two is true, um, but but those are, those are kind of the two schools of thought among Auburn fans. You know, it, it's interesting. I uh, talked to some people that I, I think would know, said that Auburn took a swing at a couple of big big candidates, sitting athletics directors at power conferences and came up empty, but then decided to focus in on John Cohen. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that in, in just a second. We're going to take a quick time out. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Ryan Brown joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll be right back. to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. On the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. I think this is a vote for you, Ryan. Mike in Grand Bay, Alabama, regular listener, says Richard's list of wrongs could be a 20-part documentary. (laughs) Always good to have fans, right? No doubt about it. And yet he keeps listening. So here we are. I know. I know. It's crazy. Must just be for the sheer entertainment factor. Um, So I asked Nubias Wilburn earlier today, who makes the most sense for Auburn? I'll ask you the same thing. Talk about football coach here. And and that's not necessarily today who do you think they're going to hire. I mean, I feel like if you answer that question right now, you're just guessing. Um, yeah. Unless, you, unless you're way more connected than even I realize you are. Uh, but, but that feels like it would be a guess for anyone at this point in the game. But I will say, you know, from your perspective, who makes the most sense for Auburn? Uh, well, I'll put it this way on the guest part. Uh, there was nobody guessing Brian Harson last time. Um, so that came, that came out of left field. So anybody that said, Oh, I thought Brian Harson was good at the job is lying. That name never got mentioned. In fact, I'll take it one step further. Our show is represented by the same people that represent Brian Harson. And we didn't even know about it. They didn't even mm-hmm. give us a heads up. So nobody knew that. Yeah. Um, 
I, I would say, I would say the most sense would be a guy like Hugh Freeze. You're hiring Hugh Freeze in the Bruce Pearl mold, okay? A guy that has proven he can obviously coach in the Southeastern Conference, can coach at an elite level, perhaps in the Southeastern Conference. I think probably Pearl had proven that more than what uh, what Hugh Freeze did, though Freeze did very, very well, as you know, at Ole Miss. But a set of circumstances, and there are different sets of circumstances for Pearl and for Freeze, has them off the field and persona non grata, it seems, in the Southeastern Conference. That worked so well for Bruce Pearl. Could you catch lightning in a bottle again for Hugh Freeze? And I'll tell you what it's done for Bruce Pearl. Now, Bruce is going to a Final Four at Auburn and is paid very, very well, and they've got him locked down. As long as he wants to stay at Auburn, he could stay at Auburn. But you got to think, in the back of his mind, if a if an opportunity came along, he would think longer and harder about it than normal because of his loyalty to Auburn for them taking a chance on him when he was completely out of basketball. Now, Freeze is not completely out of football, and he's making good money at Liberty. But, I mean, you, you would have to think you got a guy that, that fills a debt of obligation to you for getting him back in the Southeastern Conference if you went that route. Yeah. Well, and if, if well, there were layers to that. I started to say if things had not ended the way they had for Hugh Freeze, I, I think he probably would still be at Ole Miss. I mean, that was a guy who had a legitimate yeah. opportunity to go to Florida and and kind of chose to stay put at the time. So we're talking 2000, what, 15, somewhere in there. Yeah. You know, on further review, he probably should have, but, you know. <laughs> well, the weird thing, I, I, I don't want to seem like there was a lot of trouble in Florida, but the the uh, the weird thing about Hugh Freeze is most guys in the SEC, most coaches in the SEC West, their stumbling block to Atlanta is Alabama. And Hugh Freeze actually cleared that stumbling block twice, and it was other things that tripped him up. You know, other, other you know, that game at Florida for, you know, the game at, uh, against Arkansas. I mean, you know, it's just, it, it was yeah. weird that he was actually able to clear the Alabama hurdle but still couldn't get to Atlanta because of the other games. What about the um, what about the Deion Sanders piece? So, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of people look at Deion and they're like, oh, well, the guy can obviously recruit. You've got recruits that are telling the Auburn recruiting sites, if they hire Deion, I'm flipping to Auburn. I want to play for the guy. Um, I, I, I think, you know, he's done a great job of – his team putting out videos that show him being the type of coach you would want your son to play for. I saw one today uh, where he's talking about, um, you know, the death of the guy, the musician in Atlanta. And he's saying, you know, to his team, you know, we could talk a good game, but it's always us. You know, it's always us. We say our lives matter. You know, we say we're a hundred, but it's always us guys. We've got to change our, and, and people look at that and they eat that stuff up. And then you saw him on game day Saturday, you know, he's a great representative of it. I think the concern people have is, you know, is he just able to stockpile all these great players in the SWAC and his roster is so infinitely better than everyone else's? How can he not win? And he's not going to be able to do that in an SEC school. I mean, you can have a better roster, but it's not going to be, you know, that much better than Georgia or Alabama or Tennessee or, or LSU or most any school. So when he's in that situation, is he going to react? And I think that's the fear anybody has of Deion Sanders. It would be a fascinating hire. I'm not going to say it would be a 100% popular hire in the Auburn fan base. Um, there's a coach at Ole Miss that I've heard his name mentioned a time or two. <laughs> Lane Kiffin. Yeah, so, you know, Lane's an interesting guy. Um, 
look, and I like Lane, and I, I think he's obviously done a phenomenal job at Ole Miss. He's on the on, on the doorstep of back-to-back 10-win seasons. Heck, if Alabama beats Ole Miss Saturday, he's got a game in Oxford potentially, you know, to get to Atlanta. Uh, or if Alabama wins at LSU, he does uh, in, in Oxford the next Saturday. Um, I, I think a lot of what comes with Lane, okay, the, uh, the little extra mustard on the hot dog, and this is another thing that Deion Sanders, you know, a lot of Auburn fans would have a difficult time getting comfortable with that, right? They would have a difficult time getting comfortable with a guy that likes to have fun and joke around, and he's not this 24-7 football robot, um, kind of the way Nick Saban appears to be. And um, there's just a lot of extra with Lane, and it works in a lot of places. But at Auburn, I'm not quite certain that works. Now, if you win, none of that matters, right? Yeah. But the minute you lose to Alabama or the minute you drop a game you shouldn't, those are the types of things that, that everybody hears about or that a coach hears about. Well, and I mean, wouldn't an example be Mike Leach at Mississippi State? When they're winning, the, the stories about pirates and traveling and the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot, they're all cute and fun. But even at Mississippi State, you drop a couple of ball games and he wants to talk about Halloween candy and people are pissed. Oh, I know. I know. That's life in the South, right? That's life as an SEC fan. I don't want my... You know, it's funny, uh, if you, if you talk to, this is just a weird thing about this state I live in, is if you talk to Alabama fans, they want a mercenary like Nick Saban that's a 24-7 football, football, football guy, and I'd rather kill you and rip your head off and spit down your throat, right? And I know that's graphic, but that's kind of what they want. I think Auburn fans kind of say they want a guy that's a little more family man, a little more a member of the community. Auburn's kind of a smaller town community feel. But deep down inside, they also want that robot that just focuses on and wins a bunch of football games, and those guys are hard to find. They, they so if you're to, if you lose, on. yeah, but he didn't win enough games. Now he could find a way to beat Alabama, but he didn't win enough games. Yeah, um, and it was a weird, as you know, it was kind of a weird relationship. But there, there, that would not go over well if, if you're taking shots and having fun after a loss. That's not, it's not going to go over in this state, not one bit. And I know the same is true in, in, in the state of Mississippi. And furthermore, on Kiffin, I think the thing Auburn fans would have to swallow is all the analytics. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's worked for Lane, but that's just as a fan, you got to kind of, you got to kind of say, okay, my guy may go for a, a fake punt on his own 15 at College Station. And get it by that much, but he got it right, and that's a new style of football Auburn's never played. So, as a fa- even with Gus and Tommy Tuberville, the River Road Gambler, he did a little bit of that. Lane kind of takes it to another level. He does. He absolutely does. And I mean, it's funny you don't even ha- you don't even blink when you're, you're surprised when Ole Miss doesn't go for it on fourth down. I mean, never mind a fake punt. I'm just talking about lining up and going for it on fourth down. If they're outside their own forty and they line up to punt, you're like, huh? Didn't see that coming. Okay. Um. Let me quickly ask you about Georgia-Tennessee. I mean, stakes are massive. I mean, you got Georgia-Tennessee and LSU-Alabama both happening this Saturday. Yeah, yeah it's going to be fun. I mean, it's not quite the uh, – a couple of years ago, we had Georgia at Kentucky and Alabama at LSU, and the two winners would have played in Atlanta. I think that was how it played out. Um, we're not quite getting that, but it's kind of close. Um, you know, I think Georgia-Tennessee is – Fascinating for this from this standpoint. Everybody that has played Tennessee, we all know their Achilles Hill is is their pass defense. And everybody with a halfway competent quarterback, and I'll get to one in a moment, the Denton, has torched that defense. You look at Anthony Richardson, who I don't even know if you'd call him halfway competent sometimes. He had four hundred and fifty pass yards. Yeah. Uh Jaden Daniels, and I know they got they got down, but he had three hundred pass yards. Bryce Young torched them. 
Now, there's Will Levis, who everybody tells me is a first-round draft pick, and he didn't do crap against him Saturday night. But Stetson Bennett's a good enough quarterback, and they got good enough receivers and Brock Bowers at tight end to stress that defense, and they run the ball well enough to force Tennessee to play the run. So, you know, I think, and I'm sure you're familiar with the stat, Kirby Smart teams in Georgia that have given up more, I think it's more than 30 points, or 1-9 in nine in those 10 games. So 30 points is that magic number for Tennessee where you start to put stress on Georgia. But I think Georgia's good enough to run it. Stetson Bennett's good enough to beat that pass defense. They'll be able to shrink that game a little bit, I think, and win. 30 seconds. Hard break coming up. Alabama at LSU. Does Mm -hmm. Alabama get right and look right this weekend, or do you think LSU keeps rolling? Penalties have killed them on the road. Uh, The Mm -hmm. thing about Alabama is they've played the run well, and LSU traditionally doesn't run it very well. Most of their rush yards come out of the quarterback spot, so – I think Alabama, they've had pretty good success limiting that this year. I think if they can limit that and make them one-dimensional, Alabama's got to cut out the road penalties. So that's what's killed them on the road. So those are two things. If they do that, yes, they'll win going away, I think. RB, you're the best. Thanks, man. All right, boys, y'all be good. Ryan Brown from the next round. Next round live on the Farm Bureau guest line. A lot of good stuff there. Sports Talk Mississippi will be back with you right after this. Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk Mississippi. This weekend in the SEC. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, the Pearl River Resort Studio. Check out Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas, all part of Pearl River Resort. You can book your tee time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough and test drive the F-150. 45 straight years as the number one selling truck in America. That's F-Series. Test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. It's Tuesday. It means we're supposed to look at lines. We normally do that a whole lot earlier in the show. Let's start at 11 a.m. Two 11 o'clock games this week. Kentucky at Missouri. Kentucky is a a one-and-a-half-point favorite in Columbia, Missouri. You know, what a player does in college doesn't necessarily translate to the NFL, good or bad, right? Josh Allen wasn't a particularly good college quarterback. Now he was at Wyoming, Mm -hmm. which changes things, but he's gotten significantly better. Tim Tebow was an objectively great college quarterback. Did not have the tools to be an NFL quarterback. It was never going to happen long term, ever. Didn't have them. So somebody's going to have to t- sell me on Will Levis, though. I don't understand. Tom will be happy to. More mock drafts today. If he's got this great, big, accurate arm, then why doesn't he complete passes downfield? Why doesn't he do it? 
I mean, it's like a golfer throwing a guy on the PGA Tour who can hit the ball 400 yards, but by God, he has no idea where it's going. There's a reason the long drive competition guys don't make it on tour. Because they can hit it a mile, but they're not accurate. That's great that Will Levis has a strong arm, but he doesn't throw it accurately. Three bad interceptions against the second-worst secondary in the SEC. Statistically, for SEC levels, a bad defense. Picked him off three times. All of his completions were underneath. All of them. He doesn't complete deep balls. But tell me he's going to do it against NFL defensive backs and schemes. What am I missing? Will Levis has thrown for sixteen hundred sixty-two yards this season, and that's missing games. a game. We'll give him. We'll give him the. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, we'll that's, give him the credit. Uh, yeah. you know. In seven games. Yeah. Uh, he is one thirty of one ninety-one with thirteen touchdowns and eight interceptions and fumbles. He fumbles eight a lot too. Yeah, he's just a turnover machine. Yeah, and he just. He, I mean, I can't see that kind of. I can't see a player like that being too overly valued by the NFL. Or at least I don't understand why it would be. Yeah. You know why? Josh Allen. Josh That's, Allen is going to cost Allen a couple is, scouts is, their jobs. He's going to turn Josh Allen is going to be this this prototype that everybody's trying to find the next one of, you know, not to get too deep and too religious, but you know, God only creates so many of of everything, you know. There there may not be another Josh Allen. He might have been like That's enough. <laughs> they can't handle a second Josh Allen. That being said, uh, I think Kentucky can walk right into Missouri and lose this game easily. But there, I don't there's, think they will. There's one thing that's been overlooked. Missouri's third in the SEC in total defense, giving up 310 yards a game, and they are sixth in the SEC in scoring defense, giving up 21 and a half. Yeah, they're pretty good. Dude, I mean, on, they, on that side of the ball. They lost a bunch of games in a row, and they were all close games. On the road at Florida, had a chance to win. Probably should have won the mm-hmm. game. Georgia. Should have beat Auburn. Should have beaten Auburn. They beat Auburn. I, I mean, it just Auburn Jesus gave gave them one more this year to remind them that he was there. But What a religious segment. I know, right? <laughs> but M- Missouri's record is not reflective of how close they've been to being a pretty capable football team. Yeah. Florida, They're a Texas A&M. good bad team. Good bad team. That's exactly what Missouri is. Mm-hmm. Florida at Texas A and M. The Aggies are a three and a half point favorite at home against the Gators. The dumpster fire bowl. Can't wait. The movable object versus the resistible force. Uh, one of these two teams will get their second SEC win. I don't know if you combine these two rosters if they could beat Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas. I don't know. I know A&M beat Arkansas, but let's play that game again. Here's your take of the day. If Texas A&M is engaged, if Jimbo still has the team, they're going to win and and possibly yes. by double digits. I agree with that. Tennessee at Georgia. Georgia is an eight and a half point favorite. The total in this game is sixty five and a half. Mm. Number one versus number two. And is he tied for second this week in the AP poll? Therefore, you have a one versus two matchup. Going to be an incredible environment, and, and I don't. Ooh, yeah, people don't often yeah. talk about Sanford Stadium as that kind of place. 
for whatever reason they. Well, it's not all the time, but when it's right, it's right. Yeah, I, I've been and I was impressed it's by the facility. Loud. I love their campus, all that, but it sure wasn't close to the loudest stadium I've been in. I bet if I went to this game, I'd have a different thought leaving it. Yeah, I've been it's, been to three games be there. State got blown out in all of them. I still thought it was plenty loud in there. Yeah, and it will be good on Saturday. In the same way that Tennessee has an incredible home field advantage when it's it's full and they're into it, kind of wish this one was under the lights. And I kind of yeah. wish the CBS doubleheader was this week with Alabama LSU at 2.30 in Tennessee, Georgia. Under the no, lights. We'll get Tiger Stadium under the lights. We certainly will. Liberty is at Arkansas. That game's at 3 on the SEC Network. Arkansas is a 13-and-a-half-point yeah. favorite. You know, what's funny is... Go ahead, go ahead. It, uh, the ranked team is a two-touchdown underdog to the unranked team in this game. Yeah. <laughs> this, is a, this is a game, I think it plays out like the Ole Miss game last year. You have some moments you're like, you know, if Liberty could do this, they could get back into the game and make it, and, and, they, and they never do it. Yeah. Somebody on the text line asked about Hugh Freeze taking his players to Auburn with him, and my response is not many, if any, at all. No. Who could play? Yeah, it, it's a di- it's a totally different animal. But you imagine that uh, old Hugh is probably pretty motivated. Not that they're not every week, but I imagine he feels like this is a game where if I win this, then that job is mine. And losing yeah, this right game doesn't that. eliminate him from contention either. But my gosh, if he takes liberty to Fayetteville and wins, just lose by seven, and people yeah. are talking about it. Alabama is an almost two-touchdown favorite at LSU. Alabama minus 13.5, Alabama number 6, LSU number 15, and this one is indeed under the light. 6 p.m. kickoff on ESPN. That's a lot of points for an Alabama team that hasn't looked like Alabama this year. It's a lot of points. And now LSU team, that's they're hot. They're playing well. Both that crowd's going to be into open it. Date. Yeah, that's a lot of points. It is. I, I wonder, like, you know, if Alabama wins this game 35-25, then nothing is really going to change in our minds about either of these teams. But there are two outcomes that have the ability to go, whoa. One, if Alabama goes in and wins big, then you're like, hmm, okay, they're rounding into form at the right time of year. The other... If LSU wins, period, you're looking at them. You're going, hmm, seven and two, five and one. They went out. They're going to the SEC championship game in Brian Kelly's first year, and can be the first two loss yeah. team to make the playoff. Yeah, LSU fans just cheering so hard for Ole Miss the next week, just just to finish it. Auburn at Mississippi State. Mississippi State a thirteen point favorite. Which is a lot of points. Total in this game, though, is only 52. Eh. See, I, I, I could probably be talked into the over. I could probably be talked into over, and I, I, I'll, you certainly talked me into state covering that. Yeah. Just like last week. The, it, it's hard to call a game a must-win when the coach is not in danger of getting fired, and he's not. And there's not a championship on the on the line because there's not. But who, boy, you better win this game. 
Well, on top of all the added drama of all that, I mean, at the end of the day, we, 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 we've been saying it. State really needs to be 8-4 and four at the end of this season for everybody to be on board for year four with Mike Leach. So unless you're going to beat Georgia, you got to win this one, and you got to beat Ole Miss. To get to that 8-4 and four number. I think that's the way it has to be. They've also got a bucket trend, and that is the trend of playing a team in the first game after it fires its head coach and puts an interim. <laughs> yeah. Because there are the majority of, of times that has happened this year, the team with an interim coach the following week has won. And then there's South Carolina at Vanderbilt also at 6.30 on Saturday night. Tough draw there. Mm, South Carolina's seven-point favorite in Nashville. We'll wrap it up with you next. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Busy afternoon. We have uh, we've covered a lot of ground. We've talked a lot about Auburn and John Cohen and an open football coaching position there. It's got lots of ties to the state of Mississippi. Talked about Mississippi State's open athletics director job and what direction that might be headed under Mark Keenum's leadership. Had a good visit with Nubias Wilborn at AL.com, who covers Auburn, also with Ryan Brown from the next round live. If you missed any of it, you can go back and get it on demand at supertalk.fm, or you can grab the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We've got the college football playoff committee releasing their first top 25 tonight. That's, uh, I think, right after we finish up. And we got World Series game number three tonight, 1-1. With Philadelphia and Houston, they are back in Philly. Last night's game was postponed because of rain. So you got game three that is coming up as well. So uh, a lot of ground. What, what did we learn today? So correct me if I'm wrong, because I forgot the World Series was tonight. They had a weather delay, so they're going to play three days in a row. If the series is not over by then... They will be competing on Sunday night against a Patrick Mahomes-led NFL game. Ooh. <laughs> Tough. Tough spot. Whoops. You got Maction tonight, too, by the way. You do. Speaking of... There's Matt- just too much There's just too much happening. It, it reaches a point where you're just like, look, the NFL is what it is. We, we, we have to play our game. We don't have any choice in the matter. The game has to be played. It just is what it is. I would stick to weekdays personally. Uh, so Jim Moorhead had had an uphill climb at Akron, right? Just an extremely difficult job. The worst job when he took over in his conference. Had? Has he been fired already? No. His backup oh. quarterback got ejected from their game, their loss on Saturday. One of the funny, you got to seek the video out to watch it because he used words that that I can't, Repeat on the air, 
But there was a, not not even a scuffle. It was just a typical football play, and the backup quarterback takes a couple Donnie steps bro. on the field. He's got a headset on. He's holding a clipboard in his hand, and he calls one of his opponent's players a couple of words. Not that bad, honestly. Not Nothing outside of what you've heard on a football field your entire life. Ref sent him to the locker room. <laughs> got him kicked out of the game for using some expletives in the direction of his opponent while holding a clipboard, while wearing a headset, as the backup quarterback ejected from the ball game. Hmm. You do not have Akron involved in action tonight, but you do have two games. Ball State at Kent State. Kent State is a seven-point favorite. You're a degenerate. Buffalo is at Ohio. That one could be good. A couple of five and three teams. Buffalo's four and zero in the MAC. Ohio is three and one in the MAC. That game is on ESPN two from Peden Stadium in Athens, Ohio. And Buffalo is a two and a half point road favorite. I've heard great things about Athens, Ohio. Supposed to be a good college town. One time when I was in Athens, Georgia, went to the football game, went to the bars, went back to the house, ordered a pizza. Never showed up to the house. We passed out the next morning. Had a bunch of calls and voicemails from a pizza place in Athens, Ohio. Wondering where we were. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I've had it happen. I've seen that happen. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Hmm. I, I managed one in Columbus, Mississippi once, and... You know, every now and then, you talk to somebody from Columbus, Ohio. Barden Columbus asks about the Ole Miss-LSU soccer fight that happened on Sunday. Yeah, th- th- Three red there. cards issued, two for LSU, one Cat for Ole Miss. Fight. Cat fight! You know, it was going to end up being fine, but then uh, this player number two from LSU decided she she was ready to throw down and just just got in there and was like swinging at coaches and stuff. Yeah, she 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 got sent to the house as well. <laughs> uh, Ole Miss played South Carolina in the quarterfinals of the SEC soccer tournament today and lost three nil. So they will now um, they've been really good defensively for the most part. Not today. Um, they've had trouble scoring. And a couple of pretty serious injuries. They will await to find out if they are part of the NCAA tournament or not. Yeah, you know how people State's say the best down defense? down 2-0 at the half to Alabama right this second. So. Mm. Who are the SEC champions? You know how people say the best defense is a good offense? Or the best offense is a not good defense? Uh, not in sports. Well, defense wins championships. You know what I'd put my money on? A quarterback. If you gave me the choice, good defense or elite quarterback, give me the Give me the quarterback. Yeah, I'll take my chances. That seems to be the, um, the 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 proper route most of the time. Look forward to being with you again tomorrow afternoon. We'll get started just after three o'clock for Michael Borky and Brian Haydad at the Pearl River Resort Studios. I'm Richard Cross. Enjoy your evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.